You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, a Broadway podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. On today's show, we have a very special guest today, Melody Boutiou. Melody is a highly accomplished actor and singer known for her dynamic performances in film, television, and theater. She's best recognized for her engagement in the immersive disco musical Here Lies Love on Broadway, where she plays Estrella. This role earned her a Lucille Lortel Award nomination for Best Featured Actress. Her career also includes a Broadway debut in Dr. Zhivago and appearances in several films and TV shows like Easter Sunday, This Is Us, and NCIS LA. Offstage, Melody is a proud beach resident, an enthusiastic cook, and once a game show winner, which I can't wait to ask her about shortly. So, yeah. Please welcome to our podcast, Melody. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's so wonderful having you here. So we would love to dive right into your experience with Here Lies Love. But before we yeah. do that, can you let our listeners know a bit more about you and how you got started in the industry? Oh, my goodness. Gosh, I've been doing this for a real long time. I started, you know, when I when I was in elementary school, I would audition for the school plays, but I, I would get really nervous reading lines. And so the mm. teachers would tell me, oh, you don't don't speak, basically. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but I love to sing. So they would give me the solos. So even just in in those little school productions, I was given I was given singing parts, but not speaking parts. So I grew up thinking that oh I'm I sing, but I'm not a good speaker. And when I was in high school, I would do the musicals, and and even then, like I was cast in musicals, but not plays. So I I just never really thought of myself as um, an actor actor. And then when I was in college and grad school, I really started exploring um, uh, storytelling. And I was with an Asian American theater company called Here and Now, and we would perform in different colleges around the country. And that's where I really found my passion for storytelling beyond mm. uh, beyond music. And and then I have I got my master's degree at UC San Diego, so I've just been doing it ever since. Wow! <laughs> um, I'm based in Los Angeles, but the times that I've been here in New York, it's been to do some really um, incredible shows, including yeah. Here Lies Love. Yes, and so that's why I, I definitely want to dive into Here Lies Love. We saw it uh, about a few weeks ago, and I not, yeah. I know it's got a long journey with 
basically 10 years or so since the Off-Broadway, and it's been through a lot in the 10 years. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the Off-Broadway run and what it's been like these last 10 years to getting here on Broadway today? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, my involvement or my knowledge of the project even goes beyond the first production when okay. um, David Byrne was writing the the music. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Ralph Pena with Maye Theater Company, uh, sent me the breakdown and I was living in Los Angeles and he said, you should audition for this. And I, when I saw the breakdown and I saw the description of Australia, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to play her. (laughs) And um, this was all the way back in 2005. So they were preparing for a concert, uh, the Adelaide Festival in Australia, and they were casting it. And um, so I flew out to New York and I auditioned for it. And um, and then I got it. And because he was still writing the material, I flew out and sang on some of the demos. Um, when the actual um, festival came about, they changed producers, their budget changed. So they, I ended up not going to Australia, but um, but I was still on the demo. <laughs> so okay. and, and that led to the concept album, which then led to the um, the original production at the public theater. And they had done three workshops prior and I was based in LA that whole time but you know every time my manager reached out and was like oh what about Melody and they're like oh not this time you know so uh-huh. every workshop that came about they, they were like oh we're really just looking locally and maybe next time and so when the production um, was auditioning I was like you know I'm gonna fly to New York I'm gonna I just want to be in the room I'm gonna audition and then and then it happened so it was full circle and then now now that we're on Broadway it's like another 10 years it's another full circle and I'm just incredibly grateful to continue to tell this story. What was your experience like doing the first production of Fear Lies Love? It was, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to work with David Byrne. I knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to work with Alex Timbers. And even when I auditioned, like the music was great. We, mm-hmm. when we initially auditioned, we were given a monologue, which was actually taken from a documentary, and it was a, a monologue of Imelda's and and her kind of the way her kooky brain works, and but that wasn't actually part of the script. So then when I got it, I was thrilled to bits, but I was also like what did I sign up for? <laughs> what is this <laughs> disco musical about Amelda actually going to be? Yeah. You know, I just knew that I wanted to surround myself with people that I respect and admired. And, and, and the, the fact that we do get to tell this very specific part of Filipino history was mm-hmm. incredibly important. And so to share space with so many Filipinos and people who have shared history, even with different, you know, different experiences, have that history in mind, have those family experiences. It, it really was it, uh, such an such a incredible family that we built together and that we got to tell this story was just, it, it was still, still and continues to be one of my favorite experiences. So you were first part of the concept album or like the demo. Album, the demo, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the first time you were in the show was in the public in 2013? Correct. And then, if I have this right, you did Seattle as well. I did Seattle as well. And then in 2014, there was a commercial production, um, but it was also at 
at the public. It was just different producers. Um, so I did 2013, 2014, and then Seattle Rep. Okay, that's that's pretty cool that you've been with it the whole time, which yeah. kind of leads to this. <laughs> yeah. How has the show like really evolved during those three different journeys to and obviously to where it's now on Broadway? And how have you yeah. seen some of the changes of, over that course of time? A- absolutely. I think, you know, the the... The material itself, like the songs haven't changed a lot. There's maybe a new verse here or an edited verse here, but the the show itself is essentially the same. But the yeah. way we present it, the world that we live in now is so different. And I feel like it hits in a very different way than mm-hmm. it did 10 years ago. You know, um, fascism and authoritarianism is, is really taking hold all over the world. Uh, a yeah. lot of democracy, like you see how fragile it is, um, where rights that we assumed we have are slowly being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, uh, much more apparent now than when we initially did it. And I feel like the way that we're telling it in this new space, um, expanding it and opening it up, I do also feel like we worked really hard or the creative team also worked hard in clarifying the story, clarifying the point of view with the media, with the visuals, um, and in really clarifying uh where we stand uh, as far as being an anti-Marco show and a pro-people power revolution show, as opposed to just being an observer, you know? It's, so. it's really great that you say that, because that was one of the things that we saw in the Broadway production of this, where real images were being used and, like, real footage or, like, real tapes. And we were like, yeah. we were like, because we didn't see it when it was at the public, so we yeah. don't really know what we can compare it to. But I was like, that was really cool that they brought some of those elements in, because you feel more connected with the people of yeah. the country because yeah. at times you were at times we kind of were like are we supposed to feel bad for Imelda or are we and then we're like mm, no like she seems like she kind of is a really bad person at times and <laughs> yeah we, yeah right and and yeah. we want to be more connected to the Filipino Filipino people and yeah. I think that the show got that right so I don't know if that was the same when it was at the public first I think there were definitely a, a lot of those elements, a lot of the documentary footage, a lot of the news footage, um, those were in the past productions, but I feel yeah. like the way that they use it and the way they use the headlines and text also yeah. helps to clarify what's going on. Like when you see the atrocities um, during 1081, the way that they dismantled the Supreme Court, the, the lives that were lost, the number of people that were tortured or jailed or killed, mm-hmm. that those that those numbers and those, those, um, those images are shown, um, just to help, help to really kind of clarify the point of view. Because if you hear the song on its own, it sounds like they're singing propaganda and you don't know if the singers believe the propaganda, you know, mm-hmm. it's, right. it's kind of this state of shock that happens after the riots and bombs and, you know, right. the things that are going on in the country that that song comes, comes through. And so if you're just listening to it and not in it or experiencing it or seeing the images, you might not necessarily know what the point of view of that song is. So I I do feel like those kinds of things are being clarified. 
the music and the, the the imagery definitely helps because, like we had said, we I went in completely blind. I kind of wanted to go in yeah. and not really know. I know roughly what this was about, but I didn't know a lot of specifics. And so there is a lot of moments where, oh, look at this person. I feel sympathy for the. Oh wait, now I feel sympathy. Oh wait, and then you see the revolution yeah. and the people, and you're like, oh my gosh, and just this, something about the use of actual imagery and video and audio and the actual mixed with this musical storytelling that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just it all comes together so seamlessly. I'm so impressed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I the the fact is we I do talk to Filipinos who who feel conflicted, you know, mm-hmm. who know the history, who come in knowing the history and feel like what are they doing with this image of Imelda? Like like why are they setting it in this party? And I feel really conflicted and no, I yeah. don't want to dance, you know, th- that kind of thing. And that's yeah. because they know the history, mm-hmm. you know. But I think the point of the show is to take you through all that emo- all those emotions, to really show that they were very popular when they yeah. were elected. They're, they were a very populist leaning um, uh, presidency and campaign and people really felt like they had their best interests at heart they were charming they were beautiful they represented um, there's there's um, a myth in the Philippines of, of strength and beauty and they represented the balance of strength and beauty and that's what they kind of led with and people felt like oh they are destined to be to be our leaders you know and so the the point of the show is to let the audience get swept up in that get swept up in the cult of personality and then you know Mm. and then have kind of the rug pulled out from under them and see like what who have i been dancing with this entire time and then having to confront that and i think that's what Mm. makes the that kind of switch so powerful because it's the person you've been rooting for all of a sudden you're like wait what are they doing yeah. <laughs> you know and that's and 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 having to confront that as an audience member who has been cheering for them is 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 more powerful than just saying look how bad these people are from the very beginning you know mm-hmm. giving them a, a a sense of humanity doesn't isn't about empathizing with them it's about understanding how vulnerable we are as people to either become that ourselves or to buy into that yeah, because look what could happen in this musical. Like, so we were fortunate enough to be on the floor to really yeah. fully experience this. So you're down there and you you're watching all this happen, and you're like, oh no, we really are supposed to feel like we're part of this and watch them and connect with them. And yeah, and having that taken away right from out under the feet, you feel it. Like I'm kind of getting chills right now just thinking about like the experience that I felt from it because I was like, wow, this. This is a journey that you're really getting taken on through this whole show, which was great. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of le- leads to the music and lyrics. They're so incredibly powerful. They're evocative. How do you personally connect with the music and lyrics that were written for the show? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really... They're, they're, so much of it is is taken from that David David was inspired by speeches that actual mm-hmm. people gave by interviews by books and 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 accounts that he read um even god draws straight is like is the lyrics are are taken from accounts of actual witnesses at the Edsa revolution and so knowing that and knowing that that imagery and those those ideas and and those perspectives are infused into the lyrics 
mm-hmm. you know they they say that yes it is set in a disco it is it is unlike anything broadway has ever seen as far as an immersive experience but it also has so much heart and the story like it is a roller coaster of emotions that takes you that it takes you through in 90 minutes you know that history yeah. that it, that you go through and so as a performer to to know that this isn't just about having a good time that that we are sharing this history and sharing this these moving um moments in this very specific history is like it you know someone someone had asked uh had asked me you know do you ever get bored singing the songs you know or do you and it's like i can't afford to you know it's like there's there's a mission <laughs> you know almost mm-hmm. with telling this story that that i there's no there's no phoning it in i'm i'm moved every night and even when we were doing it at the public david would come to the show often he would be in the audience and dancing and singing along oh. and he wrote it and he was like you know I wrote this and I'm still really moved by the story. <laughs> you know, I'm still surprised by it. And he wrote it, yeah. you know, and, and that's how I feel. It's like, I know where the story is going every day. And yet I'm incredibly moved because every day you have different people in the audience and you see how it's affecting them. And when you see, especially, you know, how diverse our audience is, when you see Filipino families and multi-generational Filipino families put up the, the Laban sign, which means Fight, which was the the symbol for um, for the political revolution, um, it's it moves me every every mm-hmm. time, and so I'm I'm grateful every time I get to tell that story. And and this this story is growing in terms of not only the journey that has been in here in America, but it went to London. I know it had received Olivier nominations mm-hmm. there. And uh, now we're in a transformed Broadway house and it's commercial now. It's it's in a huge space and a lot of people are seeing it. Like my next question would be for you, what are you hoping now as it's grown that audiences are taking away from it? They're leaving the show and they're what? What do you want them to be, you know, taking with them as they leave? I want I want the show to start conversations. I want mm-hmm. it to spark curiosity. I know that while there are audience members who do know the history, there are so many who have no idea. Like you said, you came in not yeah, knowing yeah. anything about the yeah, show or the history. Exactly. So I want people to walk away going, I want to learn more. I want to mm-hmm. find out what happened is it is it is her son really the president now? <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. people do they Google. I had a friend who was like, "Wait, her son is the president?" <laughs> you know, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's that's happening right now." Yeah, you know, and yeah. so I I and and to really take into account, you know, how fragile our democracy is and how important our voice is. Uh, those those are the things that I want people to walk away from and to think about and to talk about. Um, I want I want those conversations to happen. Um, when I mentioned the multi generational families, uh, Filipino families who've been coming, a lot of them, you know, their parents when they immigrated to the U.S., they didn't talk about their experience in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was like, okay, it's a new chapter. Let's move forward. We don't want to talk about the past, you know. And their conversations have started within those families where they're like, I never knew that my parents went through that, or I didn't even know that my mom was at EDSA at the at the revolution. And yeah. and then they start sharing those stories. That like to me, those are the the ripple effects of of um ha- having that experience in the in the theater. Yeah, it's such an important thing to have from 
coming out of this show. Like that's like our main thing from this podcast too, is like, we love talking about the pieces that we see right after yeah. we leave. And did they spark, you know, us wanting to have a bigger conversation, which it clearly did. Cause we wanted to talk to someone from here's lives love and someone <laughs> yeah. who's been part of this whole process. So like, yeah. it's so great to hear from you and what, um, your experience with this is, but I'm also curious, are you finding with the audience that you talk to after who is having a bigger response? Are the people that are fully immersed in the show or people that are kind of viewing from the mess? Cause I'm curious cause we didn't see it from up there. Yeah. You know, and- I'm not, I don't always have the opportunity to ask where people um, are sit or have, have seen this, sh- like where they were while they were seeing the show, but some of them do volunteer it. And so I, I remember even just the other day, there were a couple of gals who were like, this is our second time seeing the show. We saw it from the mezzanine, <laughs> but we were like, oh, we have to come back again. We have to see it from the yeah. floor, you know? So it, 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 it. It does, it does really excite people to come see it from different perspectives. And I think, I think seeing it from the floor does make you feel fully immersed. But if you, if you're just more comfortable seated or you want a little more of a bird's eye view, then you'll still have a different experience in the mezzanine and even in the rear mezzanine. Cause in the rear yeah. mezzanine, they have those kind of jumbotron screens. Okay. And so they see the actors' faces up close for a lot, a lot of the show. Mm-hmm. And, I have people who have come up to me and said, you know, I saw it on the floor, but I saw it from the rear mess for the first time. And I mean, watching, watching your face or watching people's faces and seeing like what they were going through was so exciting because yeah. when you're, when you're on the dance floor, you see them, but, but it, it's just like a different perspective. Yeah. I, for us too, like just being there, we were kind of like mostly center a lot of the time during that center platform. So you're very up close and personal with the actors. And that actually (laughs) kind of leads to another thing I did want to ask you because you're in this immersive theater now and you're performing Mm -hmm. around people. Are you finding, you know, challenges with being all around this theater? There's people around you, you have to kind of see them and, um, It's an interactive performance. I wanted to know, like, how is that for you? Uh, you know, when when we were first starting previews, they were kind of limiting the number of people on the floor because they really wanted to give us the chance to get used to the moving platforms and moving yeah. through the audience. Um, uh, and then, and then, and then the audiences on the plat uh, on on the dance floor th- then were allowed to grow. And you know, so sometimes it is just a matter of just logistics of like moving your way through the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do a lot of live camera work like with Marcos and, you know, every once in a while you'll have someone who likes to throw up bunny ears or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> try to like be a little silly in front of the camera. So you just kind of got to like take it and keep like keep moving on, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, it is, Sometimes it's just it's just like when you see when you see um, people's faces because like for me even if I have friends in the audience I don't always clock where they are like in (laughs) on the dance floor and then it's like I know they're out there but I don't see them um, until it's like towards the end where more of the lights come up 
Um, and then at that point, then you're like seeing people who have gone through this journey with you and are witnessing the revolution with you. And, and, and that's very powerful. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's different every night, you know, trying to get people to dance with you, like during the, during the line dance and things like that and getting people to like follow the directions and stuff. But, um, it's always, it's, it's, it's interesting. And every, and every audience is a little bit different. Of course. And then in the rehearsal. I had one last thing I wanted to add. Yeah. In the yeah. rehearsal process of this, did you have to bring in like a fake audience for like the immersive part, part of things? Because how would you do it? <laughs> we we had, I think it was like four or five run-throughs in the rehearsal mm-hmm. space before we moved into the theater. And for okay. those we had invited, we had had invited guests. So okay. not quite as big as um, as it is on the floor, but we had would we would have like maybe 50 to 75 mm. and then maybe closer to 100 like as we were going through the run-throughs to give to give people a chance to feel what it's like um, to move through the to move through an audience to connect with an audience to tell the story to an audience in front of us so that was definitely part of the rehearsal process but not early on it was more towards the end of the rehearsal process before we moved into tech so we have a y- lot of young aspiring performers who listen to our podcast and work with us and a lot of th- times they're told to be prepared for anything in the theater. And now that we see so much immersive theater, especially on the Broadway stage, yeah. I would just love to know more tips and advice that you could give young aspiring performers entering the Broadway scene where there's not a fourth wall anymore, like in your show. Yeah. And what advice do you give them? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, you know, the big thing for me is to always feel like you're engaged, to feel like you're present. Um, but one thing we really discovered, especially during the preview process, was um, while it is easy to get kind of fixated or connected to the person that's one or two feet in front of you, uh, if you do that too much, it 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 cuts out everyone else from this space and makes everyone else who's watching from further back go, "What's going on over there?" Oh, I'm mm-hmm. you know, I they're missing what's happening. So you you do want to be really mindful while it's very exciting to have people right right in front of you. Uh, to open up and, and include everyone in the space because then it makes them feel like you're, that you're talking to them and that they're part of it and they can see what's happening. Totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, maybe we'll be seeing a lot more immersive theater on Broadway. I don't know. I think it's a it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Um, yeah. But we I do, mean, I think we, what I think here Lies Love does is like it doesn't even necessarily just it's not just redefining theater. It's just expanding what's possible. You know, there are always yes. going to be classics and incredible performances and, and incredible traditional theater and 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 remounts and 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 things like that. But this is just expanding what is possible in theater and what's it, what's possible uh, as a, for an audience experience as well. Totally, totally. That's a great way to put that. Yeah. Um, and what, one final question we like to ask all our uh, guests on our podcast is if there's any <laughs> fun behind the scenes moment, memory, it could have been from the off-roadway or Seattle or here, something that fun, like that our audience would want to know that maybe they don't hear in mainstream media and they're going to get a quick little fun behind the scenes story from you here. So any, it could be anything. <laughs> you know, the, the thing with this this family, especially with an all-Filipino cast, 
so much of the Filipino culture is like surrounded by food, you know, and how okay. we express our love with food. So there's so many potlucks, so many celebrations, any reason we have to celebrate. There's like there's food, there's singing, there's like such a joyful kind of camaraderie mm-hmm. and fam. A, a family feeling with with everything that we do with the cast um but i do and, and but then that also leads to a lot of silliness so uh, as you know leia salonga um recently ended her guest run with us and we we are looking forward and hoping that she will return at some point but she's in london mm-hmm. right now and <laughs> to say mm-hmm. goodbye we have a fight call Every day. Um, and during that fight call, we run through um, this piece called Riots and Bombs, where there are riots happening. There's pr- police brutality. People are coming out with protest signs. And we're yelling different th- things in protest. But because it was Leia's last day, everyone came out and they were just yelling, Leia! Leia, we love you, Leia! And like, I came out with like a Here Lies Love poster. I was like, sign my poster, Leia! We miss you! <laughs> and she was just like standing in the middle watching these riots and bombs happening with everyone yelling, Leia, Leia, Leia. Oh, and it was hilarious. And then we sang Happy Trails. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That must yeah. have been so nice. You guys are the best for doing that for her. Yeah. I love, love it. That's love great. It. We, I love stories like that. I think that's always fun to kind of end with something like that. And we do have to get going, but I do have to ask you one yeah. question that I brought up. And if you have like 30 seconds, you want to talk about this really quick. Tell us oh. about you winning a game show. Oh my I goodness. Need to, I need to know whatever you can. T- I'm dying to know more about this. Okay. So, Wayne Brady used to host a show called Don't Forget the Lyrics. Yeah. And my f- my friend Eddie had auditioned for the first season and he asked me to be his backup um which is cuz it was set up kind of like who wants to be a millionaire. So I mm-hmm. was like his backup and I helped him win um I helped him win I think $25,000. Oh. Wow. And um and because we were such goofballs, we were singing Brick House because we were such goofballs, the producers were like, "We want her to come back as a main contestant." <laughs> and I love so it. I came and uh, so I joined the show and I won $25,000 on Don't oh. Forget the Lyrics. Oh. What was, so was you there know a lot specific, of music. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say the music was there one was specific there song that got you was there one specific song that got you the win? Oh, there was a song that got me the win and the song that got me the loss. So, <laughs> oh um, the song, the song that got me to the twenty five thousand dollar level was "Cats in the Cradle." Oh, great. and I almost locked in the lo- the wrong lyric because I said "Little Boy Blue and the Man on the Moon," and then they were like, "Are you ready to lock that in?" And I was like, "Yeah, hmm." Is it man in the moon? And then so I changed the lyric and then that won me $25,000. Wow. And then the next level was $50,000. And that was, um, I think it was my my Sharia Moore. But I missed it because I said, um, uh, I said, you're the only, I think I said, you're the only one my heart beats for, and it's you're the only girl my heart beats for. Oh, my gosh. Um, but he wow. says one later in the song. So I just, yeah. I, I psyched myself out, and, and they were like, wah, wah. But still, $25,000, yeah. not, not a, not not a bad, bad payday that's for great. a game show. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, so 
we're getting ready to wrap up here, and that's all the time we have. I can't believe how fast that flew by. I wish I could keep going. No, my goodness. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thank you all. But thank, yeah, thank you all for so much for listening to today's episode of Half Hour. We really appreciate it. Yes, and we hope you all enjoyed our conversation with Melody. So, Melody, where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about your work or connect with you? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram at the Melody Butiu, B-U-T-I-U. Um, MelodyButiu.com, which I need okay. to update that website. Um, but then also you can um, find tickets to Here Lies Love at HereLiesLoveBroadway.com. Amazing. Awesome. And we're going to link all of those in the description too for everyone. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank um, you. And to all, yes, yes. And to all our listeners, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Also, if you'd like to check out our full review and thoughts of Here Lies Love, you can go back and listen to our past podcast episode all about that, and which is linked in the description of this podcast episode as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Melody. We can't wait to see what's in store for you next. Yay. So I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Thank you, Melody. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. (laughs) Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.